Hey everyone, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's a lot of stuff going on. Like football, people talk about football dominating the headlines 12 months out the year. Well, the NFL's done it again. This month, it's training camps coming. But also, are running backs going to bond together? Because they're bonding together on Twitter. And there's some free agents out there that we have to talk about that who would I want on the Vikings as a free agent? But also, are the running backs going to strike? Like, the running backs are acting like they are going to all band together to force NFL owners to have to pay them more. There's talks of running backs leaving college early and maybe college allowing them to enter the NFL sooner since their value goes out faster. We'll talk about all of that next on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey, everybody. Hey, good people. It's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm your host, Ron Johnson. My producer for the day is Sam Ekstrom, as always. But I want you guys to know, before we jump into this episode, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Just visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On to get started and make every moment more. There's some sports coming, training camps coming. Get your early parlays in. Get your early prop bets in. Figure out which team now that you think has a chance to win the Super Bowl because we've seen a lot of these pay out down the road of somebody that picked the two Super Bowl teams now and it ends up being a huge, I'm talking about a huge payoff. And if you get the winner right, it's even more money. So why not take that $10, $15, $25 bet, stretch it out over the whole season. It's going to make your season a lot more fun. That's visit fanduel.com backslash locked on to get started today. You also get a no sweat first bet. But uh, let me bring Sam into the show, my producer. As we talked about on today's show, we have to discuss this whole like NFL free agency. So I know the question of the day, Sam, and I'll jump into mine. But what's the question of the day, Sam? Yeah, well, ESPN released its top 10 remaining free agents. Some big names on this list, Ron. Mm -hmm. Let me just rattle it off for you. And I'd like to know if you have one that you would circle as a Vikings uh, follower who you'd like the Vikings to pursue and maybe sign. So we've got Dalvin Cook, number one on the list. Familiar name. Number two, Yannick Ngakwe. Familiar name. Number three, Marcus Peters. Number four, Dalton Reisner, the guard. Number five, Jadeveon Clowney. That's a big name. Number six, another familiar one, Teddy Bridgewater. Number seven, Justin Houston. Number eight, Melvin Ingram. Number nine, the safety, John Johnson the third, And number 10, Kareem Hunt. So that's what I'm putting on the table for you in this opening segment. Are there any of those free agents that you would pursue as a Viking? Ooh. Well, now that the Vikings are kind of officially a 3-4 defense, I think the Yannick Ngankwe might not be a bad one to revisit. Now, I, I like Justin Houston because we know he created havoc as a chief. But Justin Houston's 34. So how much are you getting out of Justin Houston where Yannick Ngakwe is 28? So maybe he comes in, be, becomes a true outside linebacker that he is, uh, defensive end, outside linebacker, and he's younger. He's only 28. So you you possibly can parlay him into maybe a, another maybe two- or three-year contract uh, if it works out after one year of signing him. Uh, Jadavion Clowney is kind of older. Again, I feel like he's more of a true defensive end than a 3-4 rush linebacker. Uh, maybe if he's willing to play a five technique. Uh, I don't know if uh, Jadavion Clowney is a three uh, size-wise and height-wise, but you know maybe you can find something in this in this Brian Flores defense for him. So honestly, you can see where I'm going. I'm going with defense. Like I, I mm -hmm. like – uh, you know, you look at Melvin Ingram, Yannick Ngakwe, Justin Houston, and J Jadavion Clowney. Yannick Ngakwe jumps out to me because of his age, and we know what his ability is at outside linebacker. Um, 
I don't know what what, what name because I thought about Dalton Reisner, but I feel like you know if we given Ed Ingram really a fair chance to see can we afford Dalton Reisner because we know he is a really good guard. Um, I don't think they need a back backup quarterback and Teddy Bridgewater, um, and then a Kareem Hunt. I don't think they need a running back, but and then Dalvin Cook. I mean, it would be nice to bring Dalvin Cook back. Not gonna lie, because we already heard the rumors of what the Vikings potentially offered him. Mm-hmm. So maybe after Dalvin Cook talks to all 31 teams and he finds out nobody wants to give him $7 million, maybe he does go back to the Vikings. But there's the thing. Are the Vikings still going to say, hey, we know we offered you seven. Are you still going to take that? Maybe they're like, look, you're coming back because you have nothing else out there. We're going to offer you five now. Like, do you want five? You said you don't want to play for four or $5 million a year, but will you take five now? Now, because the other option is just sitting out and then waiting for next year for somebody else to need you. Or because this happens, guys get hurt. Uh, late in the season, teams that are making a push realize they can take a veteran and get them in. Maybe Dalvin Cook and guys like that. And Marcus Peters want to wait after training camp. Also, like Marcus Peters at corner, though. I think Marcus Peters, uh, he, he is older, uh, but he's really good. He's savvy. He understands defenses, and he likes playing man coverage. Uh, and he's not afraid to mix it up and talk a little trash. But I don't know, Sam. What do you think? Well, it is reassuring to know that if this Daniel Hunter thing does not get resolved and they're forced to trade him, well, they're going to have plenty of money at that point. And right. that, if they've got Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram, and Gakwe Clowney to choose from, well, they can certainly go and find some defensive line or outside linebacker help. Uh, Melvin Ingram, you know, I'm peeking at 34, but mm-hmm. he did some stuff for Miami last year. Seven sacks, yeah. a good pass rusher. He's just been solid even into his 30s. Um, and Gakwe, there's some baggage there. I don't know if there's a lot of familiar faces, though, so maybe it would be okay for him to come back. Correct. It didn't go great when he was here last time. Clowney is our, always an injury risk. That's just my concern with him. He's electric when he's, uh, when he's healthy. And Justin Houston last year with Baltimore, kind of the same deal as Ingram. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and he's the same age, 34 years old. So I think that's kind of an insurance policy, Ron. If you lose to Neil Hunter, all right, go get a veteran who can just give you some presence on that defensive line. Because without Hunter, you wouldn't have much at all. I'm on on your team here. Got to add some defensive line pass rushing help. Uh, here's my thought, too, about this. And, and we mm-hmm. talked about this before uh, backstage, I guess you want to call it. Um, Dalvin Cook and Kareem Hunt are in a very unique and weird situation in the NFL right now. Uh, they put out a stat saying the average running back makes like 1.2 million or something for 2023. There's just 2023. There's not like overall contracts, just the way it's, and there are more running backs. We know that than kickers. There's only 32 kickers. So if you take the 32 kickers, divvy up their salary, they're making like two point something million dollars on average. Now, again, smaller sample size, cause there's only one kicker per team for 2023 yeah. teams don't have two to three kickers. Now, some teams do have a kickoff guy and a field goal guy. Um, but you know, I think for the most part, it, it encompasses all kickers. I don't think they're putting punters in that. I think it's just kickers, but maybe it could be punters too, but it says kickers. And then you took all the running backs, not just 32, because these backups count in this. So you are the Delta's a little skew because we know coming in the rookie, he's making like $13 million this year in B. John Robinson. But when you take all their averages, the average running back salary is 1.2 or something like that million dollars. So now running backs are getting pissed off. They're upset. They're like, man, you guys don't even value the running back anymore. Uh, I saw Saquon Barkley say, like, you go out there, you kill it for the team. You rush for X amount of yards. You break records. And you make you elevate the organization. And then when it's time to pay you, they're like, yeah, we don't have the money for you. And so you can tell these guys are really salty. Their feelings are hurt. I heard on the Dan Patrick Show, uh, our partner NBC on the Dan Patrick Show on XM Radio. Um, this morning, dropped my daughter off at volleyball camp. They said – uh, what if the NCAA gave an exemption to guys like B. John Robinson? Because B. John Robinson could have come out after his freshman year. Uh, we remember Marley's correct. You know, he petitioned to get into the NFL early. Uh, his whole life wouldn't went a different path, though. I mean, he has turned it around and he's speaking at schools now and he's he's a, a better person in the community, but we know his went down the wrong path. Uh, guys like Adrian Peterson probably could have left school early. You look at uh, a guy like Lawrence Maroney probably could have left school. You know, so there's some running backs, uh, Stephen Jackson, you know, they're throwing names at Jerome Bettis. They're throwing names out there like, man, imagine if this guy, Eddie George, um, imagine this guy could have left college and not had to go his junior year, not had to go his sophomore year and been able to have been drafted his freshman year. Now, instead of wasting two years in college, now again, NIL now though is like, if you're a guy like B. John Robinson, you were making like two, $3 million in college last year. But anyway, um, you leave, 
you go to the NFL early, understanding that now at 19, 20, and 21, you're getting your three years in before you have to talk about a new deal. So now before you're 22, 23, you're getting a new deal. Because now these guys are like 27, 28, getting new deals. And now these guys are like, well, running backs only really play to their 30 and, and fully healthy unless they take care of their body. Uh, there's injury. Uh, do we really? And, and honestly, Saquon Barkley's been hurt. Dalvin Cook's been hurt in the past. Kareem Hunt. So, you know, it's it's guys that are they're getting dinged for being hurt. And they're like, well, how much longer do they have on this body? Do I really want to give this dude $60, 70000000 million guaranteed knowing he's going to get hurt? Quarterback, receiver, uh, offensive lineman, unfortunately, like they have not gotten as hurt as running backs have. And so I think that's that's the problem, too, with this free agent list. You look at the guys, um, people are willing to take a flyer on some of these other guys, especially linemen, DBs, and, and defensive linemen uh, compared to running backs because they're just like, you know, w- this is what I want to offer you. Four or five million dollars. I don't feel like you're worth more than that. And running backs are getting pissed off. So I think I think it's gonna get it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Uh they're gonna have to find a solution for these running backs. Uh maybe some clauses in there. We're like, look, we'll give it to you. But if you get hurt, man, we don't owe you anything. And I think running backs are opposite. They're like, look, man, I'm putting my life on the line for y'all. If I get hurt, this is the whole purpose. Like, I'm putting my life on the line and you guys aren't willing to pay me. So that's another weird topic within this free agency of just What's next for running backs? Like, I don't know, Sam, mm-hmm. like you tell me, do you think they would ever consider like actually striking or actually coming together as a group? Say, look, man, we're not going to play. Like, just throw the ball. there. Cause that's what, that's what Saquon Barkley say. Look, if you want to take us out the game, just take us out the game. Then just go ahead and make it receivers versus everybody else, you know, and, and quarterbacks, five wise, four wise and tight ends. And then you don't need a running back. Uh, now maybe fullback stays cause they can play a little H back and block, but yeah, running backs are not happy right now with what's going on with the NFL and the free agency and the money as well because Saquon Barkley, they tried to uh, franchise him. He hasn't signed his tag yet. Uh, Josh Jacobs. Uh, and there was one more. There were three big ones Pollard. out there. Pollard. Uh, and and I think Pollard's the only one that signed, right? With he, no, he did not. None of them did. No, one of them did. I saw that yesterday. Somebody finally did. It was either Josh Jacobs or Pollard. One person signed their their uh, franchise tag. Oh, franchise tag. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, they didn't agree to long term deals, which basically means that after the franchise tag, they'll be they'll be free agents. Right. But um, only one of them even signed it. Meaning, Saquon's acting like, look, I'm not signing this. I'm going to hold out. And I think it's Josh Jacobs also didn't sign it, and is talking about maybe. I think Tony Pollard kind of knows, like, well, look. Yeah. I'm early in mine. Like I haven't done much without Zeke. I'm willing to sign this and then earn it and then come back and play for you guys next year and get a big deal. Uh, also, Jerry Jones probably has a little bit more like power over him. Where Josh Jacobs and I think it's that's the, I think that's the order. Josh Jacobs and uh, um, Saquon are not signing. They're like we're not signing this deal. Yeah, you're right because uh, they want to hold out. Like they're gonna hold out. And then if you don't sign it, I think you have up to like week one before they can start fining you. Uh, because they put a franchise tenure out there, so you're technically now under a franchise option or offer, and then you have mm-hmm. up to, I forgot, whatever date. They give you a date to sign it, and uh, those guys haven't signed it, and then they have up to, like, the first game, I think, before they can find them or something. So, like, they're basically saying, look, man, we're willing to sit out. Like, for the Giants, they're like, look, figure this out with Daniel Jones. Let Daniel Jones win it for you if you don't think you need me. Because without Saquon against the Vikings, the Vikings win that playoff game. Like, Saquon blew out the, like – he has some big runs in both games, though. He was he was a pretty good force. Um, Daniel Jones can't run the RPO without Saquon Barkley the way he did. So, yeah, so I'd be interested to see how much the Giants are willing to play chicken with Saquon. Uh, I think the Raiders are just a rebuilding organization, so I don't think they care. But I, I do know for uh, – because Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt too, so who knows what's going to happen with the Raiders. But right. the Giants, yeah, you play chicken all you want, but you're going to get screwed in the end if you let this guy walk. Uh, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, on the running backs? Yeah, I, I, I just think that there's always going to be fresh bodies to replace them. I, I, I kind of see why the league is doing this because we've seen it. You've reiterated this point on the show a lot, Ron. Winning teams don't need elite running backs. You can get right. really good production from younger guys, and you chew through them. And it's, it's a cold business um, to say, yeah, we're going to use you up and then spit you out. Um, unfortunately, that's kind of the way it's going, and, and you know as far as a strike is concerned, it's easy to hold out when you've already made some money, when you've already made $10 million. It's easy if you're Saquon Barkley to, to hold out at that point. 
It's not as easy for a guy like Dwayne McBride, who's never made anything professionally doing this, to say, yeah, we need you to strike. No, he yeah. wants that game check. He, these guys want these guys want to get paid something. Uh, and so they'll step in, they'll fill that void, and new stars will be created from the mm-hmm. voids that are left by Pollard and Barkley and uh, uh, Jacobs, right? So I, 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 I kind of don't know how to fix this, Ron. I don't, I don't know if it's an exemption in college. It's a, it's a very difficult situation because you're going to make exceptions for just running backs or everybody. You're going to open right. up college football for guys to leave after one year. That's going to ruin college football, I think, Correct. a little bit. So it, it's it's a really messy situation. I feel for them, but the market just dictates that running backs aren't worth as much, and I don't know how to fix that. Well, here's a tweet from Le'Veon Bell. He's one of the first running backs to kind of hold out, sit out the entire year, and then got signed by the Jets. He also told a fan he wished he wouldn't have done it that way. He wished he would have come to a conclusion with the Steelers because he wished he hadn't left the Steelers because that probably was the best thing for his career, the way the Steelers let him run and the way they the offensive line at the time, the, the organization as a whole has been great. Uh, but Le'Veon Bell says at that time, so he's talking about the time he uh, held out, no one could see my vision or what I was standing for. But all I was doing was just preparing to go against the grasshoppers slash owners. Uh, don't understand that reference, but go against the grasshoppers slash owners. He said, but as a loan incentive ant. Oh, so he was an ant. Now he's making himself an ant going against the grasshoppers. Uh, so the owners are grasshoppers. The running backs are ants. So he's saying as a, as a grasshopper, which is the owners, uh, but I was the loan uh, inventive. Or, yeah, his sitting structure is terrible. Uh, but as the lone inventive ant uh, slash running back, I obviously couldn't beat the grasshopper owners alone. So this is basically like a tweet or call to arms for the current running backs. He tweeted this at 827 this morning. Uh, so that's basically a call to arms. That was a, that's, a, that's a call to arms for all the running backs saying, look, I did it by myself, and I knew I couldn't beat them, but I still got paid by the Jets. But if you guys really want to do this, you have to be an army of ants to go against the grasshoppers because you're not going to do it alone. You might, one ant might make it out if he tries it and he has enough power like a Saquon Barkley. Um, But I can't see Tony Pollard. I can't see Josh Jacobs having as much power as Saquon, but now Saquon uh, and Dalvin wouldn't count because he's already a free agent, but Saquon. And then you got, and then that's the key though. Kareem Hunt and Dalvin Cook have to then, even though they don't have a team, they have to be willing to not take an offer when one of these teams, like the, like the Giants, they might say, look, let's just move on from Saquon and let's sign Dalvin. Dalvin has to then have Saquon's back and say, well, no, I'm not going to sign, man, because y- y'all are trying to screw this all up. So this is where that's where it gets really messy and business-like. But yeah. Le'Veon Bell's calling for uh, a group group of them to come together and fight this. But I don't know. It, it's going to take every running back to be willing to sit out like that, that could be franchise tagged. Um, and a lot of them have already signed. So, like, what does that look like? What does their fines look like? What does their financial situation look like? Honestly, like, if I'm sitting at home and you're like, hey, man, like, they don't want to pay me what I want. But you're like, dude, I'm, I'm getting $4 million this year, and I'm good with that. And I got bills, and I got kids, and I got a wife. Like, that's why this is so tough because the, the NFL players aren't like baseball where they get guarantees that they can sit back and strike as a group and force, was it Robert Mumford, Mumford or whatever? Uh, 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 Manfred, or I don't even know, mm. uh, but can force. Yeah, like baseball has more power. Basketball has more power. Football doesn't have any power, and that's the problem. The owners have the power in football right now, at least, um, because every time they talked about striking or talk, they always go to the CBA and they find a way to get it done. Um, so I don't know what the answer is. You're right. There's 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 a lot of solutions. It's got to be in the CBA probably to say running backs are protected under the workman's clause one ca-7 i don't know you know like you gotta you gotta figure it out but we got ryan mundy coming up former steelers uh defensive back uh i reached out to him because of course my dad's team was the steelers and uh ryan mundy and i have crossed paths via social media and so we've been trying to get him on the show finally got him on uh so looking forward to that we also got the daily three coming up we gotta talk about jj he's got a 90 he's in the 99 club that's an elusive exclusive club And we saw Randy Moss congratulate him. But Ryan Mundy's coming up next. But before we do that, we have a word from our sponsors. We are brought to you today by FanDuel Sportsbook. 
FanDuel Sportsbook, a great place to bet baseball. The Twins are underdogs again tonight at Seattle. You can bet the money line and run line at FanDuel. And if you're a new customer, you can get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. Bet 20, get 200. Whether you win or lose, that's free money in your pocket in bonus bets. On the FanDuel Sportsbook app or FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Safe secure, very easy to use, and you get paid instantly at FanDuel when you win. Get those bonus bets at FanDuel today. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and bet baseball. FanDuel is an official partner of Major League Baseball. Well, now it's time with the Hanging Ron Johnson segment. Finally got Ryan Mundy on. As you guys know, I had mentioned his name a while back. Um, it's all coming together now. Ryan and I talked a little bit backstage and, you know, former Michigan grad, uh, play, uh, played at West Virginia as well. Went on to the Pittsburgh Steelers, New York Giants, and then the Bears. But the biggest thing uh, about Monday is I started to see him pop up in the health and wellness space. Uh, I, I saw him pop up in the mental health space. And you guys know um, that's near and dear to my heart with my dad, uh, you know, being diagnosed with CTE once he passed away. We had his brain donated. Uh, and the NFL and the Steelers came alongside to help me get that uh, taken care of. And Mel Blunt and Tony Dungy and all the guys uh, were there along the walk. But uh, you know, the Players Tribune helped me tell my story. And so as I started to watch some of the stuff Ryan was doing, I said, man, I got to I gotta get this guy on the show. So with no further ado, we got Ryan Mundy uh, joining me. Uh, Michigan grad, though. So I'm going to jump out there, man. You went to University of Michigan. Uh, I played against you. You're, you're younger than me, so we never crossed paths. I graduated in 01. But I played against, like, Larry Foote, Cato June, uh, yeah. Ryan Jensen. Braylon Edwards was only a freshman, so I know you played with Braylon. Yeah. But it's something about Michigan football. I remember walking – and I'm from Detroit, so I grew up – you know, I know Charles Woodson grew up going to the Michigan games as a recruit under Lloyd Carr. Lloyd Carr coached my dad uh, in college at Eastern Michigan. So I'm well versed in the Michigan world. But I chose uh, I think Eric Campbell was the receivers coach. Um, so, yep. Soup. And he calls me to this day, him and Lloyd Carr. Uh, they call they called me bad words. Uh, they they, they called me. They, they said I was a vagina uh, right. because I was scared to come to Michigan. Um, but not that word. They used the, the vulgar word. Yeah. Um, but they, they, they say I was scared to come to Michigan and be great. I didn't want to be a, I didn't want to be an M man. I didn't want to go blue, blah, blah. Are you? Huh? Were you? Heck no. <laughs> thing. When I was getting recruited by Michigan, I had Michigan, <laughs> Michigan state. I had Penn state and Kansas and Minnesota. Those are my five schools I visited. Yeah. And I loved Michigan cause it was, you know, around my area, but I'm from Detroit. You've been to Michigan. So, you know, a lot of Detroit guys, sometimes it's not the best place for you to survive long-term. Because you're too close to home, you're too close to like distractions and people that might want to pull you back into the Detroit world. And that was one thought. Michigan State was an absolute dumpster fire at the time uh, with like guys like Moss and some of those guys getting arrested and they had Jeff Smoker and Michigan State was not the place. And it was Nick Saban was the coach. I didn't like Nick Saban at all. He and I did not get along. Me and Foot even talked about that. But they recruited Marquise Walker, uh, David Terrell, they also had Amani Toomer and Ty Streets. They had Diallo Johnson as well. So for me, I'm like, look, man, like I could go there. I could like Marquise. I probably could play as a junior, senior. But at Minnesota, they were like, look, you're going to start as a freshman. I'm like, let's do it. I'm still in the Big Ten. I'm still playing teams. I'm still going to go against some of the best competitions in the country. So I picked Minnesota. But with that said, I visited Michigan. Uh, or sorry, visit. We played in the big house. And you guys like to run around the field and kind of own the field and be bullies and pregame. What is it about Michigan football? Because I remember Foot telling me, he's like, man, we don't even have our pads on right now. So imagine how big we're going to look when we get back out this tunnel. <laughs> like, like, what is it about Michigan football, especially the defense, yeah. uh, the guys kind of like – and I don't know if it started with Woodson or it's just been ingrained uh, in Michigan football, but it, they kind of have like a cockiness about them when they get out on that field. Yeah, I, I think it's it's – cockiness i think it's just uh confidence i think it's just like esteem then also also i think a lot of reverence for like what michigan represents yeah. and what that means right and i think uh i guess for maybe an analogy like you drink the kool-aid a little bit right like there's yeah. there's something in the water there's something special about the program and like you know they say those who stay will be champions right so like you right. gotta buy into like what that means uh, from a Michigan man perspective, but I loved everything about my experience at Michigan. I tell people all the time, like <clears throat> it was probably one of, if not the most important experiences in my life that really kind of set the stage for me as an adult. 
um, and still have lifelong relationships and friendships to this day because of the university. Um, but yeah, we had, we had, I mean, we had a lot of ballers, man. Like you, you listed off Braylon, Marlon Jackson, uh, the Ernest Shazar. So me and Ernest were the starting safeties, uh, there. We had a lot of (laughs) Shazar. That's so I went to Martin Luther King high school. So that's my guy. Like I played. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I went to King. So I played with his big brother. Yeah. Me and Ernest were the starting safeties, uh, in that 2004 season, you know, and Ernest like six, four, just coming downhill knocking people out um <laughs> and, and it was it, but it was quite the show man and we lived up to the expectation uh unfortunately every time we played in the rose bowl we lost uh i went to three rose balls while i was at michigan and lost all three uh two to usc and then one to to texas vince young had four rushing touchdowns but all in all i mean that the michigan experience was great the, the folks that i played with i mean shoot in my draft class we had a number one overall pick jake long Oh, yeah. uh, we had a first round draft pick, Leon Hall. That was my roommate, uh, Lamar Whitley, legendary type player. Like we had a lot of ballers. We had 14 people in our draft class. Seven of us went pro. Uh, so so it was it was a pretty special time for us there at, at Michigan. Um, yeah, I, I look back finally on that on that time for sure. Yeah. man. And so when you think about that, you know, that that time, uh, you know, being at Michigan, going on to play for the NFL, you're from. Pittsburgh and I grew up in Pittsburgh I mean for those that know the show they can see the helmet behind me I mean the helmet behind me is a Steelers helmet my Ravens helmet but the Steelers helmet is signed by like Tony Dungy uh Mel Blunt uh Mean Joe Green Jack Lambert Jack Ham uh uh Dwight White uh Donnie Shell I mean you name it it's on there uh because that's my dad's helmet from 1978 so that's the 1978 Steelers Super Bowl team they signed the helmet and of course and i and i oh i don't always have them here i just randomly happen to have the two super bowl rings uh oh, nice. when my dad passed away this was one of the things that we found just in his house you know like he going through mental health you know he didn't value that type of stuff anymore you know he had super bowl rings i tell people this all the time he had super bowl rings sitting in his kitchen in the same drawer with pack ketchup packets you know what mm. I mean? Like it was the drawer where you you got like pens and pencils and stuff for the kids. My dad had Super Bowl. Like we were going through the house cleaning up after we, you know, found him. And, uh, you know, the 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 they took his body. And, uh, you know, as we're sitting, me and my sister are going through it. And honestly, we're doing it because his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend was trying. I think she was trying to steal stuff. So we had to go through the house trying to find memorabilia stuff to make sure we get it out the house before, you know, mm. the police come by and whoever else to make sure there was no foul play and so whatsoever. And uh, yeah, like Super Bowl ring. So, you know, when I look at that stuff now and I talk about the Steelers, you're from there too. I grew up in Penn Hills like for six years of my life. And then we moved to Detroit, oh, wow. back to Detroit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're from that area. So you were drafted back to where you're from, man. How cool was that? Yeah, it was actually, you know, something out of a movie script. Uh, <laughs> being born in Pittsburgh or living in Pittsburgh, you know this, like you ain't got much of a choice but to root for the Steelers. Yeah. And so, you know, I came out the womb. Uh, kind of bleeding black and gold uh, and handed a, a terrible towel. But, you know, it was a really special time because, as you know, like football is a difficult sport, right? And things don't always go as planned. Uh, yeah. And it ain't always like, you know, the the better roses, success. Sometimes it's hard. It's difficult. You fail. You get disappointed, so on and so forth. And that's my story. But along the way, a lot of people helped me. And particularly like family, friends, high school coaches, et cetera. So to have the ability to realize that dream uh, in front of all those people who had helped me uh, was really, really cool. And then on top of that, we won a Super Bowl uh, my rookie year. So I really didn't think it could get much better uh, than that. And the reality is it did not get much better than that <laughs> from, a, from a winning standpoint. We went back to the Super Bowl two years later, but we lost versus Green Bay. And then uh, after that, just the playoffs were just not even in the conversation. But all in all, very thankful for the time I spent in Pittsburgh because it is a first-class, world-class organization. Yeah, and I grew up, like, every Super Bowl the Steelers went to, of course, my dad is a former player. Uh, you know, they get invites to come back to games, and, you know, the the uh, 78, 79 teams always go back out there and do stuff. Um, you know, like, that's the jersey behind me is one of the jerseys that he signed, and they gave him at one of the alumni events. The It was like a game-worn jersey they had given all the former players, and so I framed it with his football cards. Um, and when I talked about the Super Bowls, like, this was crazy. I remember this one. 
because of the Steelers. Like I, like I said, I grew up and well, I was drafted by the Ravens. So for a little bit, I kind of, you know, whatever, but in my heart, I always had love for the Steelers. And so I remember this Super Bowl like it was yesterday. You actually were a part of this game and you had like James Harrison with a big play. But then the Santonio Holmes, in my opinion, one of the best plays I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. As a player on that sideline, and you guys are witnessing this history happen, this catch that everybody's going to talk about for the rest of his life, what was that like to watch Antonio Holmes get those two toes? I mean, literally, if he had had a pedicure, he probably doesn't get those toes down, uh, to get those toes down the corner of the end zone. Yeah, I mean, there was just so many kind of like heart-stopping moments during that game. Um, but that one in particular, um, you know, that was coming off of, Really, Larry Fitzgerald had kind of demoralized our team when he had caught a pass and just went straight up the middle. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if he's ever ran as fast as he did on that play ever in his life. He was moving. Um, and that sent the Cardinals with the go-ahead score. So we were down at that moment. Um, and then we had got the ball back. And we had, I believe we started off with the penalty. So, like, the drive kicked off, like, terrible. Um, but we marched down the field, uh, made some big plays. Wide receivers uh, really made some fantastic plays during that drive and also that game. But that particular play, I mean, you know, I think only Ben could kind of throw that ball. Only <laughs> Tone could get, but that's stuff that they were, I'd seen them work on that type of stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Like the toe taps, like, look, you know, we only got but a few inches to get this ball right here. Let's get it right here. So, like, when it shows up in the stadiums, when it shows up in the games, like, those dudes know what knew what to do. But I tell people all the time, again, like, the, t- the level of talent that we had on that team, it really just my whole time in Pittsburgh was legendary. I mean, starting out with Mike Tomlin, Hall of Fame coach. We had Dick LeBeau, Hall of Fame player. Uh, you mentioned Ben Tone. We had Heinz Ward. Hall of Fame caliber player. Oh, yeah. We had a lot, a lot of dudes on that team, man, that were just like straight up ballers and about business. So it was a great experience. But that particular play, you know, kind of like uh, set the stage and obviously like uh, was a key moment in that game. And, and looking at, you know, the key moments in that game, but like you said, the key names, like yeah. that's one of those games where like all the names that are popping up, you know, it's historic. Larry Fitzgerald, Santonio Holmes, Heinz Ward, you got Ben Roethlisberger, but Mike Tomlin, you know, Mike Tomlin was a guy that Minnesota fans, uh, Vikings fans for sure. He, he was a defensive coordinator here and it happened twice. Tony Dungy was first. Everybody felt like they should have kept him on as long as possible so he could take over. And then Mike Tomlin was the next. They thought that he, they should have kept him on as long as possible and then he could take over. It didn't happen. He goes to the Steelers. He becomes what he is now, which is a coach has never really had a losing season ever. Right. But what was it like playing for Mike Tomlin? Like as Because everybody said he's like a player's coach, but he also gets the best out of him because he's serious and he's about his business. So what was that like playing for Tomlin? Yeah, you know, like sometimes players coach may not have like the best connotation to it or may mean like, oh, you soft or like right. that was not the case. Uh, Mike T, when you when Mike T was talking to you, you knew that he meant business for sure. Um, and that was a great thing about him. He was able to be relatable, but still be that authoritative figure uh, and leader of men that he needed to be, particularly as being a head coach, um, you know, of, a, of an organization. But the reality was, is that like, at that point in time, he had, he was probably under 40. He was probably my age, for real, for real, like 38, 39, 37, somewhere in between there. And so he's coaching, like, James Ferrier, who's, like, 32. They, I believe they they played against each other in college at one point in time. Uh, and so, like, James Ferrier went to Virginia. Mike T went to William & Mary. I think they played each other at, at some point in time. But, again, speaking about the caliber of guys that we had on the team, there wasn't much, quote, work that needed to be done. Right. Like James Ferrier was our captain and Mike and James had a great relationship in, in, in a way and just in a way that showed up as like, look, James, like you are like the captain. Right. And you the team moves as you move. Right. Like I could set the stage, the ship, strategic direction. Here's what we're going to do. But you are the actual heartbeat. Right. And I think there was a very unique balance between like player accountability uh, within that building because again we had a lot of grown grown ass men in that team yeah and, and grown ass men on that defense in particular so like there wasn't much knick-knack bs that we had to deal with unprofessional stuff that we had to deal with we were about our business and it showed up on the field yeah man and in 2000 
2012. And so I don't know how long you had 29, but in 2012, uh, you wore 29. And my yep. dad wore 29 with the Steelers. Oh. Like literally the jersey behind me yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, uh, is number That's 29 frame. Uh, so he wore it back then in 70, 78, 79. One rookie, you know, he was NFL rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year that year. I think he had like four picks as a rookie. And so, again, that's why I say, man, like, God, things happen for a reason. Like, I didn't yeah. even realize you wore 29, but I know every time. And the only reason it happens, my sister does this. So whenever we watch or she watches a Steelers game, she always tries to figure out, like, who has number 29. Yeah. And yeah. so you were one of them. But in 2012, something also happened. What's that? You guys started adding some of the most controversial players that would become controversial down the road. Antonio Brown, Plaxico Burris. Um, going up against Antonio Brown and Plaxico Burris in practice, like, because I know they hadn't hit there, because I've watched the pivot with Ryan Clark, and so I saw him and, you know, talk about Antonio's a rookie, was a normal dude, and then if he became like that because he felt disrespected, and so he started trying to act tough and blah, blah, and get money, and he wanted to get paid. And But as a rookie, man, what was Antonio Brown like? Um, he was special and we knew that day one, right? Like yeah. we knew this guy showed up with an attitude, a disposition, a work ethic and talent to like be exceptional. And he was that, uh, day in and day out, like he would show up ready to work. I, I haven't seen anybody work as hard as him. Right. Like, wow. so the thing that the things that he's been able to accomplish on the field throughout his career, yeah. valid, like, everyday valid. Um, like I've seen this dude behind the scenes, putting in the work, taking good care of himself and also taking care of his family too. Right. Like at, at that point in time, when he came to Pittsburgh, he was pretty much like a single dad with two kids yeah. and was managing that situation uh, as, as best as he possibly could while still producing on the field. But that, that, that particular year, to your point, like we had, we had some ballers. Yeah. Like we had, again, we had Hines, we had probably four number one wide receivers, probably five. So we had Hines, we had uh, Mike Wallace, we had Emmanuel Sanders, we had Antonio Brown, uh, we also had Antoine Randall, and we also had Plaxico Barris, nice. and we also had Keith Miller, right? So, like, these are all dudes that could be, like, viable number one options on any NFL team, and they were at some point in their career, uh, in some point in their career, but now they're all a part of, like, the receiving core for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2011. Mike Tomlin had a saying during that season because, you know, everybody can't suit up. Right. Uh, he would tell Emmanuel and A.B. like, look, two dogs and one bone. We got two players here, but one of y'all is only going to be dressing. Mm -hmm. I ain't going to figure it out. Y'all figure it out by how you practice, by how you show up and by how you prepare and how you play. Um, and it was a highly competitive environment, but it ultimately got the best out of everybody. And it showed up uh, whether folks stayed in Pittsburgh or they took their talents elsewhere. Yeah, man. I mean, we got I could talk to I could talk to Ryan Money, man. I got to get you back on here at some point. I could talk to Ryan Money for hours because uh, it's just so much you have, man. When you look at like I mean, we could talk about Marquise Pouncey and his relationship with uh, Hernandez. Like we could talk about the Florida era with him and Tim Tebow. Uh, I mean, there's so much. I mean, Randall L, like Randall L and I uh, were doing the hey rookie year in the NFL, our, our rookie year. We all you know, they send all the you know, 32 rookies to California. You do a little stupid show. But like Randall L, like I know he was an absolute clown because every morning he woke up with energy at mm -hmm. 6 a.m. And we're all like, man, it's a photo shoot, dude. Like, calm down. And he attacked every morning, like, no, nah, man, we're gonna have fun. I'm about to be out here doing like Michael Jordan layups with a football. I want that on my football card. And we're like, bro, calm down. Like, it's uh, literally like a photo shoot. Like, it's not that serious. But so I know training camp with him was annoying because I know he's that morning guy. Oh, we had, yeah, we, we had, <laughs> let me put it like this. We had personalities, right? Like, again, we had James Harrison on the deep. We didn't even talk about Debo. Like, we right. had, that was on our defense, you know what I mean? Like, lifting 400 pounds, squatting 500. Just like, it was a special time, bro. It was a very special Like, time. I mean, because I say, like, when you walk into the weight room and see that dude putting, you know, 500 pounds on the sled, like, do, do you just sit back and be like, what is he, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you eating? Yeah. I mean, his nickname was Silverback. <laughs> And like when it, when people was calling him Silverback, I was like, yeah, I could kind of get that. But then I saw him the first couple of practice. I was like, man, like this dude is like a for real Silverback, like <laughs> compact, low to the ground and just moving uh, and ready to just knock stuff out. Yeah, I, I think I think the Steelers like him and a couple of the players were doing like med ball volleyball. That's when I was yeah. like, OK, this is dumb. Like, yeah. you're, you're throwing a 40 or 30 pound med ball over a volleyball net. 
Like I, my back just watching it like was hurting. I'm like, oh my goodness, you dudes are too strong. But too quick before we get out of here, man. Ryan Mundy, I know you started um Alchemy and it's about health and wellness. But man, explain that because like going from football, a lot of players, and you know this, man, a lot of players. Uh, we try to find our way in this world after football. Yeah. People don't realize the NFL doesn't just set you up with a job. When you're done, you're mm-hmm. done. And you got to have your own contacts. You got to get stuff going. And I've seen you now on like Good Morning America. I've seen you sit down with some of the, the biggest you know interviewers in the world now. Uh, so explain Alchemy. Yeah, uh, it's been quite the journey. Uh, but it I started Alchemy because of that journey, right? Where you talk about like, the transition out of the NFL, I was dealing with my own personal like mental wellness um, situation around like anxiety from trying to figure out what's next because there is no job placement program, depression and identity from missing something that I had done eight years as a professional, but 24 years as a total. Just my own personal experience around uh, mental health and wellness, anxiety, depression, identity issues, trying to figure things out. And then I saw like my family was going through some things as well. And professionally, after retire- after retirement, I, I had gotten into the startup ecosystem. So I knew about entrepreneurship. I knew about investments. I knew I was seeing ideas come to life. And, you know, these ideas were coming to life to solve big problems. And I was like, I got a big problem. My family has a big problem. Our community has a big problem. Like, why is nobody really, like, attacking that in a way that mm-hmm. I think should be attacked? And so in 2020, I started Alchemy with the mission to create generational health for the black community grounded in mindfulness and mental well-being man that's that's huge man that's because that's that's the thing I, I tell like my kids you know we living in minnesota uh my daughter being an african-american young black girl you know she's in sports and a lot of her team none of her teammates they look like her you know and so i have to explain that to her as well that like it's a different space sometimes it's a different yeah. conversation sometimes yeah. uh but mental health in the black community specifically too it's not something we talk about like I, like I said, with my dad, for years, we ignored the signs of some of the comments he would make, some of the like things he would do, because uh, he would be fine. And so when he was fine, we're like, oh, everything's fine. Nothing's wrong. Right. And then as stuff started to happen, then stuff started to be given to us. People started sending me stuff about my dad when he was with the Steelers. And like he had a concussion in one game. And, uh, and you've seen the, I haven't seen the movie. I still haven't been able to watch it yet, but the movie concussion is kind of based on some Steelers players, but he had a concussion in the game and was in the hospital for three days in a coma. Wow. Nobody told me that, you know, my mom, af- literally after he died, my mom kind of told me like, Hey, here's some of the stuff. So be ready for this when they, you know, wow. when they give us back the report of his brain and he was a Basically, he had like stage three to four CTE, which is one of the highest. And mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, like he had been at, she said, yeah, he had got hit, looked like it was a car crash or he hit somebody, mm-hmm. sounded like a car crash. And both of them were out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she said, yeah, he was in the he was in a coma for three days, like wow. out. And he woke up and she said the first thing he said was, did we win? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like that's the kind of stuff that happens in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, he had to tackle Earl Campbell. You know, I mean, he told me that story like, man, Earl Campbell. You know, it was a big bruising running back. Would not go down. You know, they yeah, had to hit him. Earl Campbell, um, Scotty equipment. <laughs> you know, like exactly those, those big plastic pads and that oh, yeah. inefficient helmet that they were using back then. Yeah, that's. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like this helmet here, like the one that's autographed. This is an actual. I mean, you know how it is, man. We you at the end of the season. I don't know if you guys did it, but we did with the Ravens. Everybody kind of passes around helmets to get signed and you get everybody as much as you can get everybody to sign the locker room. So I'm pretty sure the Steelers did the same thing. This thing is crap. Like it is the worst put yeah. together helmet. It's super heavy. The yeah. Padding isn't really good. There's no air. Like they didn't have air until like the nineties, I guess, eighties, nineties. Um, mm. So like all that air support system stuff wasn't even created yet. This is just padding. And like, I don't even know what it really is. It's, it was not styrofoam and, and foam. So, mm. you know, so I'm learning about that now, like having those conversations about my dad, like keeping track of my own stuff. Like I tell my wife, like, if it feels weird or something I'm doing doesn't seem right, like tell me, because uh, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm like I don't know if my dad's was hereditary or what, you know, because they try to tell you all this. Oh, it wasn't the NFL. Uh, you know, it was it, that was bound to happen anyway. And so, but I'm glad you're doing that, man, because that's that's something that the uh, the black community needs to like be okay with, like getting help, getting therapy, um, things like that aren't always told to do and given to us, especially yeah. athletes. You know, what I mean, like you said, when you walked away from football you had to figure it out on your own, you know, and you do go through a dark time sometimes of like, what's, what is my, what am I, what do I do with myself? 
-hmm. You know, I was blessed because the Big Ten Network reached out to me. Tony Dungy reached out to me. So I coached for two years with the coach. And then I did the Big Ten Network for a year. And then I moved on now working with NBC and Fox. And so I I've been able to parlay it. But, yeah, a lot of people aren't afforded these opportunities. And uh, I'm glad you're putting that out there, though, man, because a lot of players, I feel like in time, are going to realize this platform's there. The black community going to start to realize this platform's there. So you guys make sure you check out uh, Ryan Money's Alchemy. Uh, I'm going to definitely get you back on, though, man. Like, once the season kind of gets going, because uh, we didn't even talk about, like, roll the boat, your feelings on roll the boat, UCLA coming to the Big Ten. So uh, during the Big Ten kickoff, maybe, I have to uh, reach back out to you, get in your schedule, because Ryan has a big calendar, people. Like, I had to get a calendar invite. Hey, you know, I'm <laughs> out here raising money, running the show, managing employees. If it ain't on my calendar, it ain't happening. I got. I appreciate that. Life. <laughs> life is life in. Uh, but I was happy I was able to make it on, man. No, sure. man, I appreciate you, man. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Ryan Money. This is Hanging Ron Johnson segment. Coming up next, we got the Daily Three. That's three questions. Three minutes each. We'll be back. But now it's time for the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Take it away, Sam. Thanks, Ron. Uh, Justin Jefferson, the distinction of a 99 on Madden, the highest score, highest ranked wide receiver. Uh, Ron, what do you make of JJ's score? And in your day, what uh, did guys care about Madden ratings? Yeah, we care, but Madden was not, say, new, but it wasn't as big as it is now. Uh, but, yeah, we definitely care. Like, I remember, I think I had to be in the 70s, <clears throat> maybe 77, 81 at one point. Um, but yeah, my speed was never really up there. I think my strength was up there. I think my hands were, I don't know what they gave me for hands. Uh, and then I think agility was, I actually ran like a four. I looked it up. I had the fastest three cone at the combine my year. So I don't know what they gave me for agility though, but I know you said you had looked them up maybe and had them. Uh, amazing what a little research can do for you is I've got it broken down. Literally you've got grades for your kicking ability and your throwing <laughs> ability. Um, but you've got really good speed. You've got 82 for speed. You've got 84 for acceleration, 87 for jumping. What was your vertical? Uh, 37, 38. Yeah. Very so, nice. Yeah, okay. Jumping. All right. Your highest grade, Ron, is for stamina. You are a 90 <laughs> stamina. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I worked out. I was a workout guy. So people knew that. Like I was, I was working out every day. I did, uh, like all my, all my, pre-draft stuff i did all the workouts so yeah so i don't know maybe they got out there that was a workout guru they only gave you a 52 for strength though so I don't wow know. okay so that's see that's now that's where twitter i would have been pissed off like yeah now granted i didn't do the because i think it goes off the combine because i didn't do the bench press because our my agent was like it's no point of receivers doing it unless you really feel like you can kill it so i just didn't do it so i think a lot of guys got dinged for strength as rookies because yeah, we didn't do every, and then like they don't see your strength until once the season start, you kind of earn it. But there wasn't like updates back then. Back then, you had to like actually get the update from online and like sign in. It was a little bit different internet setup back then. So now it's like a quick update, and everybody gets it when they log into the game. Now back then, you had to actually physically get like the upload and then like load the file into your PS3 or Xbox, whatever you had. And yeah, so it was way different then. But Justin Jefferson, I will say, Randy Moss gave him a heads off for 99. I think he is a 99. Here's the one thing I I, I did not like. I think some of the other receivers, because they kind of went in order, 99, 98, 97, 93, 92. I think some of the other ones, like their scores are too low. I, I think some of the mm -hmm. other ones should have been in the 95, 96, 90, like Jamar Chase, he's definitely higher than where he should be. Like, But again, if, if Justin Jefferson is a 98 or 99, Jamar Chase is a 98. So that's the only one that kind of got me. What's next? It's a big week for international sports, Ron. Uh, Women's World Cup kicks off. Mm -hmm. I believe the United States is going for a three-peat or maybe a four-peat. They, uh, they are the favorites. They are every year. That's fun to watch. And then the British Open or the Open, as they call it now, championship, big golf tournament, final major of the year uh, at Royal Liverpool. Which of the two interests you more? Uh, I'm gonna go with neither for 200 Alex. Um, no. So if I had to pick, I'm going to go women's soccer, uh, and only towards the lack of the last rounds when everybody's talking about it, because it does get fast paced, exciting. Uh, but I can't watch a full 90. I think it's like 90 running minutes or something like that. Right. Or something like that. Correct. I can't watch a full 90 minutes. Cause it's not a lot of scoring. Um, I usually like to like peek in or ESPN. I know will pop in if it's a big moment coming up or like a penalty kick or they're going into the final and it's five, you know, they get the penalty kicks at the end and they got to figure like those parts are exciting to me golf. Yeah. Uh, I, 
unless it's like a guy like Tiger or something like that. Like it's, it doesn't really like I'm not excited to watch it all. So I'll keep track of it. I'll maybe look at FanDuel and see if there's some ways to bet it. Maybe put five bucks on somebody or somebody to you know who's going to make the cut, who's going to miss the cut type stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I'd, I'd rather watch women's soccer. What's the last one? Yeah. I don't know. What about you though? Which one would you pick? I'm the resident uh, golf addict here, okay. so I'm definitely going Open got Championship, it. and and you got to get up early to be committed to that because they they play you know obviously overseas. So right. I'll probably be setting the alarm, getting up, watching it six a.m. with some coffee and and uh, wishing Tiger Woods was playing. He's not. <laughs> All right, last one. Um, and what did I have for the last one? Let's Christian see. Vikings question of the day, Ron. Christian Derrissaw, is he officially the team's best offensive lineman now over Brian O'Neill? Yes. Yes. Christian Derrissaw to me, and this is the only reason why. The left tackle usually is is considered more important. We saw the blindside movie. We saw uh, Leanne or Leah, Leanne Tooley's, uh, which is Sandra Bullock's explanation of why the left mm-hmm. tackle is so important. Michael Orr became a left tackle. Um, Lawrence Taylor made that important with Joe Theismann and so on and so forth. I, I think the left tackle, when you have a really good one, uh, he becomes the anchor focal point because Kirk Cousins can see Brian O'Neill. So he can handle like, okay, Brian misses, I'm good. But he's got to trust Christian Derisaw because unless you have eyes in the back of your head, you have to trust that your left tackle is getting the job done. Trent Williams, Christian Derrissaw, guys like that. Like, that's what they're there for. So that's why I would say, yes, Christian Derrissaw has earned the right to be considered the best offensive lineman on the Vikings. Uh, what do you think? I think you're right. Uh, I think he might be top three at his position. And what a parting gift from Rick Spielman in his final draft to have found Christian Derrissaw for this team. That's pretty big. In fact, he nailed his last two first round uh drafts with jefferson and then derisaw so hey yeah. spielman didn't get it all wrong yeah no and we i don't think we ever said he did i think spielman i would have loved to see spielman with kevin o'connell like you just never know what you could have got out of it like i, I mm-hmm. think spielman loved kirk cousins so does kevin o'connell who knows but you know what we can't play that game because the butterfly effect could change a lot of stuff <laughs> i love quasi i'm glad he's here but i'm ron johnson that's sam ekstrom this is the ron johnson show on locked on sports minnesota i want to thank ryan monday for joining us in the hang around johnson segment And remember, people, if you want endless Vikings talk, just subscribe. There's so many different ways to subscribe to our show. You can go on YouTube. You can go on uh, Amazon Fire, Roku. You can go on the SXM app for SiriusXM. They have an app. You can get us there. Uh, You can go on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia app. There's so many apps to get your podcast. If you just go on your phone and you have a podcast app on your phone that just finds podcasts, which I think that's still Apple. But if you do. Just subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota and you'll get endless Viking talk with local experts. You can also see our shows, like I said, on YouTube and Amazon Fire and Roku devices. And remember, we're going to bring you all the biggest news. Training camp's coming, people. I think like the 26th, 27th, 28th, they're going to be back in town. The boys are back. Mm. The boys are back in town. By August 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, we're going to be talking about fans at training camp. Family night's coming, people. Football is back. But I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. Have a great day.